0: Chapter 6 of Miss Maitland, Private Secretary. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Holly Jensen. Miss Maitland, Private Secretary by Geraldine Bonner. Chapter 6 Poor Mr. Janney. The peace and aristocratic calm of the Janney household was disrupted into its dignified quietude burnt an eruption of alien activity and the great white light of publicity kissam with his minions came that evening and reporters followed like bloodhounds on the scent scenes were enacted similar to those mr janney had read in novels and witnessed at the theatre but which in his most fevered imaginings he had never thought could transpire in his own home it was unreal like a nightmare a phantasmagoria of interviews with terrified servants trampings up and down stairs strange men all over the place reporters on the steps the telephone bell and the front doorbell ringing ceaselessly everybody was in a state of tense excitement except mr janney whose condition was that of still frozen misery there were moments when he was almost sorry he'd married again after introductory parleys with the heads of the house the searchlight of inquiry was turned on the servants their movements on the fateful night were subject of special attention when kissam elicited the fact that they had not returned from the village till nearly midnight he fell on it with ominous avidity dixon however had a satisfactory explanation which he offered with a martyred air of forbearance mr price's man Willets, had that morning come up from town to cedar brook the next station along the line in the afternoon he had biked over to see them and hearing of their plan to visit the movies had arranged to meet them there this he did afterward taking them to the mermaid ice-cream parlors where he had treated them to supper they had left there about half-past eleven Willets going back to cedar brook and the rest of them walking home to grasslands from the women left in the house little was to be gathered this was unfortunate as the natural supposition was that the burglary had been committed during the hours when they were alone there both feeling ill had retired early delia at about half-past eight going immediately to bed and quickly falling asleep hannah was later about nine she thought it was very quiet not a sound except that after she got to her room she heard the dogs barking they made a great row at first, running down across the lawn. Then they quieted, easing off with sort of whines and yaps, like it was somebody they knew. She had not bothered to look out of the window because she thought it was one of the work people from the neighborhood making a shortcut through the grounds. In the matter of the safe, all was incomprehensible and mysterious. Five people in the house knew the combination—Mr. and Mrs. Janney, Dixon and Isaac, and Miss Maitland— mrs janney was as certain of the honesty of her servants and her secretary as she was of her own she rather resented the detective's close questioning of the latter but miss maitland showed no hesitation or annoyance replying clearly and promptly to everything they asked she kept the house money and some of her account books in the safe and on the second of the month five days before the robbery had taken out such money as she had there to pay the working people who did not receive checks she managed the financial side of the establishment she explained paying the wages and bills and drawing the cheques for mrs janney's signature questioned about her movements that afternoon her answers showed the same intelligent frankness she had spent the two hours after lunch altering the dress she was to wear that evening as it was very warm in her room she had taken part of it to her study on the ground floor when she had finished her work about four she had gone for a walk returning just before the storm after that she had retired to her room and stayed there until she came down to go to mr ferguson's dinner the safe and its surroundings were subjected to a minute inspection which revealed nothing neither window had been tampered with the locks were intact the sills unscratched the floor showed no footmark there were no traces of fingerprints either upon the door or the metal-clamped boxes in which the jewel cases were kept. The mended chair was just as Missus Janney remembered it, set between the safe and the window, in the way of anyone passing along the hall. It was on Sunday afternoon, twenty-four hours after the discovery, that Dick Ferguson appeared with one of his gardeners, who had a story to tell on friday night the man had been to a card party in the garage of a neighboring estate and had come home late across lots his final short cut had been through grasslands where he had passed round by the back of the house he thought the time would be on toward one-thirty skirting the kitchen wing he had seen a light in a ground-floor window a window which he was able to indicate he described the light as not very strong and white not yellow like a lamp or candle as he looked at it he noticed that it diminished in brightness as if it was withdrawn moved away down a hall or into a room he could see no figure simply the lit oblong of the window with the pattern of a lace curtain over it and anyway he hadn't noticed much supposing it to be one of the servants coming home late like himself this settled the hour of the robbery it had not been committed when the place was almost deserted but when all its occupants were housed and sleeping the window pointed out by the man was directly opposite the safe door the light as he described it could only have been made by an electric lantern or torch its gradual diminishment caused by its removal into the recess of the safe if before this mr janney's mental state was painful it now became agonized he was afraid to be with the detectives for fear of what he would hear and he was afraid to leave them alone for fear of what he might miss when mrs janney conferred with kissam he sat by her side swallowing on a dry throat and trying to control the inner trembling that attacked him every time the man opened his lips he gave way to secret futile cursings of the jewels distracted prayers that they never might be found for if they were the theft might be traced to its author and then what it would be the end of his wife her proud head would be lowered forever her strong heart broken sleep entirely forsook him and the people who came to call treated him with a soothing gentleness as if they thought he was dying his misery reached a climax when something he remembered and everyone else had forgotten came to light it was one day in the library when kissam asked mrs janney if there had ever been anyone else in the house a discharged employee or relation who had known the combination mrs janney said no and then recollected that chapman price did he had kept his tobacco in the safe as the damp spoiled it Kissam showed no interest he knew chapman price was her son-in-law and was no longer an inmate and then suddenly asked what had been done with the written combination at that question mr Janney felt like a shipwrecked mariner deprived of the spar to which he has been clinging he saw his wife's face charged with aroused interest she'd forgotten it it was in mr Janney's desk had always been kept there they went to the desk and found it under a sheaf of papers in a drawer that was unlocked kissam looked at it felt and studied the papers then put it back in a silence that made mr janney feel sick after that he was prepared for anything to happen but nothing did he got some comfort from the papers which assumed the robbery to have been an outside job no one in the house fitting the character of a suspect it was the work of experts who had entered by the second story and were of that class of burglar known as tumblers mr janney who had never heard of a tumbler save as a vessel from which to drink now learned that it was a crackman who from a sensitive touch and long training could manipulate the locks and work out the combination he found himself thanking heaven that such men existed when a week passed and nothing of moment came to the surface the janney jewel robbery slipped back to the inside page and save in the environs of berkeley ceased to occupy the public mind mr janney could once more walk in his own grounds without fear of reporters leaping on him from the shrubberies or emerging from behind statues and garden benches his tense state relaxed, he began to breathe freely, and, in this restoration to the normal, he was able to think of what he ought to do. Somehow, some day, he would have to face Suzanne with his knowledge and get the jewels back. It would be a day of fearful reckoning. It was so appalling to contemplate that he shrank from it, even in thought. He said he wasn't strong enough yet, would work up to it, get some more sleep and his nerves in better shape and she might there was always the hope she might get frightened and return them herself so he rested in a sort of breathing spell between the first grinding agony and the formidably looming future but it was not to last events were shaping to an end that he had never suspected and that came upon him like a bolt from the blue it happened one afternoon eight days after the robbery mrs janney and suzanne had gone for a drive and he was alone in the library listlessly going over the morning papers his zest in the news had left him the chicago murder offered no interest the stabbed policeman in desperate case from blood poisoning his assailant still at large could not conjure away his dark anxieties with his glasses dangling from his finger his eye on the green sweep of the lawn he was roused by a knock on the door it was dixon announcing mr kissam who had walked up from the village and wanted to see him kissam with a brief phrase of greeting closed the door and sat down mr janney thought his manner which was always hard and brusque was softened by a suggestion of confidence something of intimacy as one who speaks man to man it made him nervous and his uneasiness was not relieved in the least by the detective's words i'm glad to find you alone mr janney i phoned up and heard from dixon that the ladies were out and that's why i came i want to consult you before i say anything to mrs janney that's quite right said mr janney then added with a feeble attempt at lightness are you as the children say getting any warmer we're very warm in fact i think we've almost got there but it's rather a ticklish situation mr janney did not answer he glanced at his shoes then at the silver on the desk for the moment he was too perturbed to look at kissam's shrewd attentive face it's so out of the ordinary run the man went on and so much is involved that i decided not to move without first telling you the family being so prominent the family mr janney spoke before he thought his limp hand suddenly clenching on the arms of the chair the detective's eyes steadied on the gripped fingers what do you mean let me have it straight said the old man huskily kissam put his hand in his hip pocket and drew out an electric torch which he put on the desk this torch i myself found two days ago in a desk in mrs price's room it was pushed back in a drawer which was full of letters and papers it fits the description of the torch that was lost by mrs price's little girl mr janney's head sunk forward on his breast and kissam knew now that his suspicions were correct and that the old man had known all along he was sorry for him mrs price not being your daughter mr janney i decided to come to you i suspected her after the second day and i'll tell you why i had a private interview with that woman elspeth mrs janney's maid and she told me of a quarrel she had overheard between mrs janney and her daughter the subject of the quarrel was money mrs price asking for a large sum to meet certain debts and losses in the stock market which mrs janney refused to give her that supplied the motive and gave me the lead the loss of the torch was also significant the child was confident and children are very accurate that she had left it on the table in her nursery when she went to bed the proximity of the two rooms made the theft of the torch an easy matter what puzzled me was how mrs price had gained access to the safe but that was cleared up when the written combination was found in your desk here and finally i ran across what i should call perfectly conclusive evidence in mrs price's room i don't refer only to the torch but to the fact that a wrapper that was hanging in the back of one of the closets showed a smudge of varnish on the skirt mr janney leaned forward over his clasped hands feeling wan and shrivelled if your surmise is right he said where has she put them if echoed the other i don't see any if about it you can't suspect either of the men-servants reliable people of established character nor miss maitland a girl in her position even if she happened to be dishonest which i don't for a moment think she is wouldn't tackle a job as big as that come mr janney we don't need to dodge around the stump as soon as i'd spoken i saw you thought mrs price had done it the old man nodded and said sadly i did would you mind telling me why you did there was nothing for it but to tell and he told the detective suppressing a grin of triumph it cleared everything up was as conclusive as if they'd seen her commit the act as for where she put them he said she may have a hiding-place in the house that we haven't discovered or cached them outside in matters like this women sometimes show a remarkable cunning i've looked up her movements on the saturday and it's possible she hid them somewhere in the woods she left the house at twelve carrying a silk work bag walked past ferguson's place and talked there with him in the garden for about fifteen minutes went on to the beach sat there a while and then walked to the fairfax house on the bluff where she stayed to lunch coming back here about half-past four she had ample opportunity during that time and in the places she passed through to find a cash for them mr janney raised a gray pitiful face mr kissam if mrs janney knew this it would kill her kissam gave back an understanding look that's why i came to you then it must stop here with me the old man spoke with a sudden fierce vehemence it can't go further the girl's been a torment and a trouble for years. I won't let her end by breaking her mother's heart, bringing her gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Good God, I'd rather say I did it myself. There's no need for that. We can let it fizzle out, die down gradually. He gave a slight sardonic smile. I've happened on this sort of thing before, Mr. Janney. The rich have their skeletons in the closet, and I've helped to keep them there, shut in tight then for heaven's sake do it in this case help me hide this skeleton keep up the search for a while so that mrs janney won't suspect anything play your part mr kissam if you'll aid me in keeping this dark there's nothing i won't do to repay you kissam disclaimed all desire for reward his professional pride was justified he had made good to his own satisfaction and as he had said the case presented no startling novelty to his seasoned experience many times he had helped distracted families to suppress ugly revelations presented an impregnable front to the press and seen with a cynical amusement columns shrink to paragraphs and the public's curiosity fade to the vanishing point he promised he would aid in the slow quenching of the janney sensation gradually let it flicker out keep his men on the job for a while longer for mrs janney's benefit and finally let the matter decline to the status of an unsolved mystery as to the restoration of the jewels he gave advice say nothing for a time sit quiet and give no sign if she was as thoroughly scared as she ought to be she would probably return them they would wake one fine morning and find everything back in the safe if however she tried to realize on them it would be easy to trace them he would be on the watch and then mr janney could confront her with his knowledge and have her under his thumb forever mr janney was extremely grateful not at the prospect of having suzanne under his thumb that was too complete a reversal of positions to be comfortable but at the detective's kindly comprehension and aid with tears in his eyes he wrung kissam's hand and honoured him by a personal escort to the front door End of chapter six recording by holly jensen